Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from Maryland. Lately, I have had so many guests on the Law Enforcement Today show from the great state of Maryland, my old stomping grounds. Of course, a lot of you know I'm retired from the Baltimore, Maryland Police Department. Joining us, we have two guests on the phone. We have Conrad Weaver, who's a filmmaker, and also Desiree Palmer, who is a police officer. I want to thank both of you for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today show. Very much appreciated. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I was approached by Conrad. Conrad is a filmmaker from from Frederick, Maryland, which, by the way, if you don't know where that area is, it's a suburb of both Washington and Baltimore, west of of Baltimore. And Conrad, you're a filmmaker. film that you also were going to do an episode about is called Heroin's Grip. And as a result of that, you said you had a lot of dealings with people in the police departments in both Frederick City, Frederick County, firefighters, EMS, EMTs, and became aware of post-traumatic stress disorder and the issues that motivated you to create a new film. Yeah. In producing heroin's grip, you know, I spent a lot of time with these agencies and realized that, you know, the stuff that uh, these men and women face every day are situations that that the rest of us could never imagine to face. And, you know, they have to deal with them in a professional manner and then go home at night and, they take those memories at home, and so many uh, folks in law enforcement and our, our emergency first responders, you know, deal with these things, and there's, they struggle with alcoholism, they struggle with other issues to cope with uh, the trauma that they've experienced, and uh, I saw that uh, just in my time I spent with the, the agencies. It is a very prevalent problem. Uh, I've seen reports where they say that for first responders, meaning law enforcement, EMTs, dispatchers, firefighters, corrections officers, that it's as high as 30%. I believe that the number's higher. That means people walking around some degree of this or not. And with our retirees, I believe it's even a higher number of people that put in long, long careers. 
So you saw right. this, and it kind of motivated you to do a new film called, uh, is it PTSD 911? Yes, it motivated me to start going down that path, just to do the research, to figure out what the story would be. And so we've officially launched uh, the, the process of making this film. So it's a long process. And so I'm kind of in the research and development phase of it now, and I'm actually doing even ride-alongs. I did a ride-along last week at the local fire station and uh, shooting some initial footage that we can start putting together uh, a trailer for the film that will help us raise money and raise the awareness for, for this issue. So it's not available yet, but it will be available in the future. Do you have an estimated timetable for release? Well, it all kind of depends on how quickly we can raise the money. And my goal is to produce this film this year in 2020 and uh, make it available in spring or summer of 2021. Awesome. So By the way, the, you can get more details about this. Do a Google search for his other film, Heroin's Grip. And this one is PTSD 911. We'll talk to you more about that towards the end of the show. For those of you listening, if you know a military veteran, a first responder, a law enforcement officer, firefighter, EMT that's struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder, related issues, substance abuse that goes along with that, either has both or does not has one or the other, check out the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformation Treatment Center, 888-991-9725. It's 888-991-9725. Go to the main website, Transformations Treatment dot center one of the people involved in this film in this project is a police officer her name is desiree palmer desiree thanks for being a guest on the show sure thanks for having me first of all how did you get involved with uh, conrad in his film well um in the heroin's grip film i originally reached out to uh comrade i had seen something on facebook about him filming the um actual documentary and kind of looking for volunteers for some introspect. Um, so I reached out to him, having had a lifetime of living with my sister, who is two years older than I, who is an addict, and I wanted to give him a police officer and a family support uh, perspective of both. I'm glad you did, and I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, first of all, your police officer... I don't know that we're going to say what agency she works for. We'll talk about that again in a moment. But one of the big misconceptions that people have about police is that, and it's perpetuated by Hollywood, is that we don't get along or we have this very antagonistic relationship with people who have addiction problems or alcoholism problems. And the truth is our police officers are on the front lines of this every day. And we see what happens to families. And we see wh- how this impacts their, their physical health of the addict or the alcoholic. We see the devastation that comes from this. And we've been the counselors, for lack of better words, forever. And for many of us, we have family members with these issues. Some of us develop these own issues ourselves. We're human. We're prone to the same diseases as everybody else. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, I, I wanted him to um, kind of get it from, from, I mean, my sister, I've been dealing with it for 30 years now, and she became a uh, paraplegic because of it, because she got in a wreck. And I wanted to make sure that he knew that, from my side, that not all first responders look at addicts the same way, and we all have a unique view, uh, which I believe is portrayed in the uh, film pretty well. And I also wanted to make sure I I, I had some 
input myself from my police activities with the citizens where I work. Um, I wanted them to see how I react with, with the normal you know, humans of, of my day, um, which is a little bit different, I think, than the ordinary police officer. And you may be right. I, I don't know how different it is. And I'm, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I say this all the time. All the technology, the tools, the things that the law enforcement officers use nowadays, we didn't have back in the day. However, the basics of policing really haven't changed. It, it's using your brain. It's talking to people. It's becoming what we used to call, what they call community policing nowadays, we called everyday policing back then. So I don't know that that part has changed, but I've often wondered, like the television show Cops, and people have asked me whether that's real or not. I said, yeah, I think it's pretty real. Uh, I don't watch that 9-11 Live or Body Cam, whatever the shows are, but I think that I would behave differently. I'm not saying I would be a different person, but uh, policing, if I had a camera crew with me all the time, I don't think I'd be the same guy as I was every other day working the streets. Yeah, and I think that that happens, but in my case, I got to um, show him that I am the same person. He rode with me multiple times, and um, I think the amount of compassion and respect that I showed to you know people, even when I believe uh, Conrad wasn't expecting it. We are talking with Desiree Palmer, who's a police officer. We're also talking with Conrad Weaver, who's a filmmaker. Remember to check out our website for news articles, past episodes of the podcast, download our free app, and much more. That's letradioshow.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those suffering from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Check out our website, letradioshow.com, for one-of-a-kind, can't-find-anywhere-else news articles, op-eds, videos, and much more. That's letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Desiree Palmer on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Now, Desiree, you're an active-duty police officer right now. How long have you been on the job? Uh, I have over 20 years of uh, law enforcement, all of it on patrol. You and I discussed before doing the show, a lot of places, they don't allow their officers to identify where they work. And for some folks, it's not always a good idea, depending on what they're talking about. Uh, have you made the decision whether or not you want to identify what agency you work for? Um, I have not. And actually, some recent events, I'm not quite sure if it's a good idea or not. I think you're right about that. It's, I would strongly encourage you. Let's just say you're a police officer with more than 20 years experience. 
you're in your time on the job. You say you work patrol. I love patrol, by the way. I did patrol. I did narcotics in Baltimore. I was detailed at DEA for a little over a year. Got promoted to sergeant. Went back to patrol and finished my career up in patrol. And that's where you do you know, the vast majority of all kinds of police work. And you're the first on the scene for every kind of crime that happens, every kind of accident, fires, it doesn't matter. The detectives, they show up later on. Folks, you watch on television and they, they're the first ones there. It's not reality. That's right. You know, I both know it's the patrol officers to get there first. Yeah, and that's why I chose to stay patrol my whole career. I wanted these firsthand um, dealings with the people in the public. I didn't want to be called as a result of something else. I wanted to be first on scene and, and to be able to reach out and try to help in the best that I could um, with my methods as well. And that's what we called real, That's what I, and jokingly, we would call that being real police. That's how we talked in Baltimore. Right? Real police, when you dialed 911, they're the ones who showed up. It uh, didn't matter what time of day or night. And you're absolutely right. That's where you get to be with people the most. And unfortunately, it's usually at the worst case scenario, they're having a really bad time in their life. Something horrible's happened. And you get to do real hands-on police work. But the negative side of that is you get to see all the blood and guts and gore and stuff when it first happens. And that can take a tremendous toll on someone. Yeah, that that kind of, um, I've begun to have some difficulties myself recently. um, And and with consideration to the film, uh, PTSD 911 coming out and speaking with you and the recent nightmares and and sort of flashbacks I've been having um, from several incidents that happened. So are you still kind of fresh in this? Uh, yeah, actually, I think I'm um, sort of towards the middle of beginning to acknowledge that I have a problem, um, and I've, I'm um, doing some therapy and such. And uh, recently I had a, uh, I, I was attacked by a dog um, at work, a pit bull, which um, in and of itself, wasn't quite the problem. Um, this recent incident, I was on a call with a domestic call, and a young man led me to his backyard where his pit bull, you know, jumped on me and was biting me, attacking me. I shot at it, and I remember after I shot at it, I was just standing there, kind of like I lost myself until one of the other guys came around the corner and asked if I was okay. Thought I was okay, but little did I know, it would bring me back to an incident about. Six years ago, where I watched as a pit bull ravaged its owner. I mean, another deputy and I were first on scene, and the um, dog had, for no reason, he had grazed it his whole life, attacked him. Um, the dog, when we got there, was actively eating the man's you know, throat, and it had blood everywhere. It looked, I mean, one of the worst scenes I've ever seen. And um, I wanted to shoot the dog, and... I said, hey, I'm going to shoot, and the deputy wanted me to hold off on it. I didn't shoot, and we later, you know, pulled the dog off, and the man ended up dying. Well, we pulled the dog off when we went to, you know, get it out of the apartment. It threw up parts of the man's skin and flesh on my shoes, and I remember standing outside thinking whether or not I could have stopped the dog from killing him if I was shot. When that happened which, you know, like I said, was some years back. I, I had some difficulties for a few months, but it passed. I was a little bit younger, I think. And the toils of the job, the toils of the job had not, had not gotten to me as they have now. So when I 
this past November when I shot at that dog, I think it took me back to that original team. I've been having some nightmares and some flashbacks and, you know, just not feeling quite like myself. I feel like I'm standing beside myself watching as the world passes by. Um, I think the term that a lot of medical professionals or psychologists would use is, is disassociation that, and, and it's not easy to describe, uh, and I'm certainly not um, a medical expert or a psychiatric expert or don't claim to be one, but it's almost as if you would at times try to detach yourself from yourself emotionally and it would seem as if you're almost looking at yourself from a distance. Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. I think I described it um, recently to a counselor as I feel like I'm standing beside myself watching as I go through the actions of everything and I'm not really there, but I'm there. One of the really difficult things that I found, and, and this is, I, I personally believe that anybody who does a career long enough in law enforcement is going to have some issues, all right? And it's there's degrees of it, and in the early days for me, it was much harder than it is now. Now, it's, life's really good, but there were times where I thought I could handle this with willpower, and I could think my way and say, look, dude, relax, chill out. You know, you, you don't act this way, and you know better, and you shouldn't be doing this. And then it was as if, it's hard to describe, Desiree, it was as if I was talking to somebody else and watching him do things like watching a bad movie, you know, the horror chainsaw movies, like, don't go in that room. What's wrong with you? And it's exactly what I'd be doing. Like, don't do that. Don't get in an argument with your wife. You, you, you know, that's a bad idea. And you, I could not help myself. It's like it was inevitable. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we handled it different ways. I think the, the a clue that I was beginning to have problems I didn't realize. I chose to start hunting and fishing a lot and by myself. I never wanted anyone to go with me. And the more and more I did things by myself, the more I found myself not wanting to go anywhere or be around anyone. And so I, I pretty much isolated myself to solve that. Um, I started writing, and um, which, you know, pulled up another, you know, problem that I faced. We're talking with Officer Desiree Palmer, a career police officer. If you want to be a guest on a Law Enforcement Today show, just go to our website and contact me through there. Our website is letradioshow.com. We're all over social media. Be sure to like and follow our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. We're on Twitter. Follow us at LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Instagram, look for LET Radio Show Podcast. Of course, don't forget our website, letradioshow.com. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. I promise you. You don't want to miss what we're going to talk about. We'll be right back. Did you know that 32% of Americans listen to at least one podcast a month and 22% listen to podcasts weekly? After episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show have aired, they're converted to podcasts. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast and be sure to subscribe for free. Hi, this is John J. Wiley, host of the show. One of the questions I get all the time is where can I find new podcasts to check out? You can find podcasts from all genres posted daily on the Podcast Zone Facebook page. 
From established chart-topping podcasts to new up-and-comer podcasts, you can find them all posted at the Podcast Zone Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Podcast Zone. Look for the bright green profile image and be sure to click like and follow. And tell your friends about the Podcast Zone Facebook page. Back to our conversation with police officer Desiree Palmer on the Law Enforcement Today show. Desiree, we were talking before we went to commercial break about uh, you feeling that you are, I don't know how to say this, uh, and I don't want to say it in a way that sounds rough. You're admitting that you might have kind of sort of some problems with post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes, I, I, I am finally admitting it, I think. Well, congratulations to you. That's not an easy step, and a lot of people don't make that step, and they struggle with this for far too long. And I believe the first part of getting some sort of help, which you'll have a lot to do with, involves saying, I got a problem and I need help. And I personally, I find it very difficult to allow people to help me. Uh, maybe that's policing. I don't know if it's what it's from, but sticking my hand out saying I could use a hand is like the hardest thing in the world to do. I would rather do what you do. You talked about isolating before. That was a big problem for me, and I isolated from people I didn't want to isolate from. I needed to be by myself all the time. You talked about you go fishing, you go hunting, you spend time in the woods alone, but you prefer to do it by yourself. Is there a reason why? I just don't want to be, I just didn't want to be around, and and I'm currently at that stage. I don't want to be around other people. They start to, I don't know if they're annoying me just by existing or you know, I only want to be with my dog, you know, and I'm to the point, I don't go to restaurants, I don't go out to eat, you know, I don't, I just don't, I can't be around anyone, otherwise I get agitated really easily, so I just choose, you know, and I think that's part of the problem is choosing to stay home and not go to outings and, you know, literally not go anywhere. I'd rather order my groceries online so I don't have to go anywhere um, outside of work. And I, I kind of get that. I jokingly say this. At the time that we're doing this interview, we have the coronavirus, the COVID-19 pandemic going on, and they're talking about social distancing. They're talking about spending time at home alone or just you know with your family and, and limiting your contact with other people. And that's right up my alley. I, I'll be honest with you. I've been social distancing since I was in my 20s, and... Part of it's police work, and I, I jokingly say this, that we're told from the academy that you keep distance from people, uh, preferably 21 feet for the whole knife thing. Uh, secondly, no closer than six or seven feet. So that was drilled. And, and by the way, politicians, police chiefs, activists have been telling us for far too long, this makes us appear unfriendly and unapproachable. Well, we do this for survival reasons, correct, Desiree? Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. And and I think to add into that, I think um, with the you know decade that it is in police and law enforcement, we've also learned to distance ourselves from other officers, which is kind of another problem because you know when I first started twenty years ago, you were buddy buddy, everybody on the shift did things together, and then now who might be after who for what reason? And I think it's worldwide just because of the media and, you know, the way that we're portrayed. That's something I don't know about. I've heard that from many other people. 
we, let's go back in the conversation to the isolating part. Uh, with that social distancing, I found that when I get a lot of time by myself, I, I prefer to be alone. I say alone with my wife and my dogs and my cats. I prefer that over being with people. Going to theme parks with my daughters, I found very difficult. Going to the movie theater is, is not always comfortable. At a restaurant, I have to have my seat facing the door. I have to have my back to the wall. I got to see people coming and going. Uh, that's not optional. But when I spend too much time alone, I wind up spending time in my head. And inevitably, what happens is I wind up replaying and rethinking old things. And for police in general, I would... Even back on the job, I would always second guess myself. Could I have done better? What could I have done differently? What could have changed the outcome of this incident? And it seemed that that whole thing seemed to take a life of its own where it became always questioning and thinking about it when I didn't want to. Yeah, I, I um, you know, ran into it again. I'm, you know, I'm isolating myself. I only want to be home. So I'm social media and I'm on watching TV. And I, I ran across a show that reminded me of a, a girl that died from a heroin overdose and I, you know, worked her death and immediately broke down because I realized it really was the girl's sister that's on the show, which, you know, took me back to the whole scene and, and, you know, wondering what kind of person. And I don't even know, didn't know the girl before she died and it, you know, she was a face, but she meant something to me that day. And I don't know why, but she stuck in my head. And, and I can't forget the way she looked when she was dead as compared to, you know, I looked her up on Facebook afterwards, um, you know, totally different people. And, and, it, and the world reminds me of things from the past. It reminds me of the nine-year-old I, I held and watched die in a car accident, things on TV and, and every, nothing. And that was 20 years ago that I watched the little girl die, but I could smell the fumes and I can smell the, the blood and the the grandmother crying in here and, and and it all comes back to you with just you know being alone and watching the tv and, and all and that's really not that's not a fair way to live and I'm, i've been through that i went through those stages i'm not saying i don't go through them anymore i do from time to time it's not as severe as it was but it really bothers me when I hear someone who did you know, 20, 25 years in, in law enforcement or as a firefighter or as an EMT or corrections officer or dispatcher or, or military veteran and their quality of life is miserable when they're out because everything becomes, and I hate this term, but everything becomes a trigger and it's as if an inordinate amount of time is spent trying to make sure that I seem to be okay to everybody because I don't want people to be afraid. I don't want people to be frightened by me. And to, to this day, I still have that fear. Yeah, I, I, ran, um, I, I found myself, from, from the documentary I did before, I had to attend you know, several of the viewings um, for the filming, filmings and such. And I found myself struggling because I... You know, inside I'm screaming and, you know, I want to stand in the back of the room. Meanwhile, parents of children who've died are coming up and wanting to hug me. And, and of course, I'm smiling because I'm, I'm there with the producer, uh, Conrad, and I'm, I'm, you know, representing the police department. But it, it really, it was a battle, you know, down to where I would sit when the film would go on and the other actors would say, hey, come sit up here with us. 
And I'd say, no, I'm going to sit in the back of the room. And I always had to sit in the back of the room. That's me. And I couldn't explain it to the other guys. I mean, I, it, it would take too much for me to try to explain it, but I just had to, whether it was isolation or just being in the corner of the room or in a good spot just in case somebody comes in with a gun. You know, and it was like constant paranoia, and it literally wore me out so bad to, you know, go to some of the events that I was in disbelief how tired I was when I was done. It literally is can be a physically exhausting, and the lifespan for people who struggle with this that are going through these symptoms, and they they call that hypervigilance. Uh, that it really shortens your life tremendously. I had a guest on the show not that long ago, and one of the things he said was that the average life expectancy for people in America, let's just use the number 78. I don't know what it is. It's slightly different for men and women, and but the average life expectancy for a police officer in the United States is 58. is about 20 years less. And, and even for those who took good care of themselves physically, who didn't drink or, or drank moderately, those who didn't smoke, those who didn't live an at-risk lifestyle with diet, they would exercise and be physically fit. Their lives were shortened tremendously. And a big part of that is due to what you're talking about. The physical demands, the, the constant stress. I'm not talking about the outside stuff. That outside stuff is unavoidable. What it does to us on the inside and how we handle it is the problem. We're talking with Desiree Palmer, a career police officer on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Believe it or not, there was a time when people would try to tape record new songs from the speaker of their AM, FM radio. Now there's the Music Radio Today Facebook page. You can get access to new songs that are posted twice a day on the Music Radio Today Facebook page. Plus, they feature music radio stations from all formats across the United States and the world. Do a search on Facebook for Music Radio Today. That's the Music Radio Today Facebook page. Be sure to click like and follow and tell a friend about the Music Radio Today Facebook page. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley, retired Baltimore police sergeant, and joined by Desiree Palmer, who Desiree is a career police officer. I forgot to say this. Desiree, thank you for your service. Trust me, I know what it's like, and it's very much appreciated. Well, thank you for your service and what you're doing now. Well, one of the things that, that was odd for me, I, I got hurt and retired early. I was retired at the age of 33. And Desiree and I have talked about this. I, I had a, a guy who was a car thief, and he had a bunch of uh, crack cocaine, and he tried to shoot me with my service weapon while still in my hand. And the, the force of the battle, this is back in revolver days. I've, we expended all six rounds. He survived, I survived, but I thought I sprained my wrist, and I thought it would get better, but it didn't. I had multiple surgeries, two steel plates, fusion, three surgeries, and was retired at the age of 33. And about 10 years later, I started pursuing a career in radio, and uh, about three years ago, the idea of the Law Enforcement Today show was born. So, in that incident, Desiree, one of the things that happened is when, I, I can say this, I was going from following the stolen cars, obviously stolen, we knew, I knew it was, from my experience, and you get the heightened adrenaline, everything else is going, and the guy eventually wrecked, and th- then it's like, I put him on the ground, I sort of cuff him, but I had to reholster my weapon, 
and then he made a, a play for it. And I couldn't physically stop him. And I was a big guy. I was a strong guy. And uh, I, I trained a lot. I was very physically fit. I hit this guy with everything I had and could not contain him. And then it became a life or death battle over my service weapon. And I remember thinking, the thought came in clearly, it had a lot of expletives that I can't say on the radio, was that this guy was trying to kill me. And I didn't understand why, number one. Number two, I took it very personal. I got very angry. But I thought to myself, I'm going to die, but it's not going to be tonight. It's not going to be because of you. I'll do whatever it takes to survive this, whatever. If only one of us walks away from this, it's going to be me. I was prepared at that moment instantaneously to do whatever it took. And there's no way I can explain that to people who have never been in that position. So when you talked about some of the things you've been through with the dog, with uh, the two incidents with different dogs, I know that there's that that flash in your mind of, I've got to do something, what do I do? And it, it's difficult to explain. But when I'm put to that position, I don't think I ever become the guy I was before. Again. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that um, you know certain certain things and injuries and, and fights. I don't think I, you know you ever are the same. I think I'm a whole different person than I was last year. You know, I had a uh, a fight with a um, suspect who was mentally ill and um, ended up injuring my neck. And this was um, I had to have uh, a couple two fake discs put in and some screws and pins. And unfortunately, with the retirement around here uh, where I work, um, there is no retirement. And in any other area, you probably would have been retired for such an injury and surgery, but I can't. And it's just like the um, you know, PTSD in some states isn't recognized. You know, the injuries and, and the fights, they stay in your head. And, you know, I relive them and think, you know, what could I have done differently? I was convinced I was going to die when I went in for neck surgery. And for no real reason, um, I was truly convinced I was going to die. And I think that was still a part of that fight with that bad guy stuck in my head that I couldn't flip. You know, I just couldn't get rid of it. And the after effects, they they don't go away. They lessen with time, I've found, if we treat this like an orthopedic injury. You mentioned a neck injury. I mentioned my hand injury. I had to go see a doctor. I had to have surgery. I had to go to physical therapy afterwards. And post-traumatic stress, I know it's a disorder. That's a term to use in the medical world. But I prefer to treat it as an injury and say, look, the obligation is on me. Just like if I had a shoulder injury. I've got to go see the doctor. If I have to have surgery, I have surgery. I have to do physical therapy. I do the physical therapy. If there's things I need to do afterwards, I should do those things. If there's things I shouldn't do anymore, I need to stop doing them. Are, are you at that point now where you are okay to take that step and saying, I need to do certain things? Uh, cautiously so, because like I said, um, you know, I mentioned a retirement. Right now, there's, there's no PTSD retirement. And so when you open up that door and you say, I need help, something's wrong, you, you have to dance with whether or not you're going to lose your career and end up not getting a full retirement because you needed help. And that's, that's kind of a fine line that I have to walk in asking for help. And, you know, and that'll come and it, it, what'll happen happens. There's nothing I can do about it at this point. Um, and that adds a lot more pressure to the scenario, doesn't it? 
uh, so much more. You know, we talk to attorneys and they, they can't help you and there's nothing anyone can do to lessen or ease your mind that it's going to be okay. But, you know, I'm 20 years in and I got about four years to retire and I lose all that if the department isn't willing to allow me to heal, isn't allowed, you know, doesn't allow the officers to heal. What do you do? You know, do you take the risk now or do you hope that you'll last four more years and make it to retirement? Plus, um, we have such a stuff. shortage nowadays, the recruiting shortages and retention shortages, th- that puts even more pressure on line officers like yourself, that you're you're still out there, you're still working, that means more hours, you see more, you respond to more calls, and it adds to that bucket uh, of stones that we pick up at every call we go to. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why we need more education, which um, you know brings me back to the PTSD film and why I wanted to be involved with Conrad and that. You know, I think people need to learn. People need to hear, you know, that this is an actual injury, you know, that you can recover from. And I don't think there's an understanding worldwide or that it's it's necessary to, it's cumulative. You know, the more that you get over time, stressors, uh, the more your PTSD is even prevalent. And I don't think it's realized that this, without help, is, it's deadly. It is deadly, and that brings us to, we're going to bring Conrad back in in just a moment. That brings us to a part of the conversation that, that no one wants to have. We, we have a tremendous problem with our military veterans with suicide. We have a tremendous problem with our law enforcement and other first responders with suicide. Uh, just to give you a number, an, an average number, Right around, I think it was in 2019, we had almost twice as many officers that died by suicide compared to those who died in the line of duty. Now, I'm not making the argument that they're one and the same. That's a topic for a different show. But a big component for a lot of these officers is three things. One is post-traumatic stress. And what comes with that for so many is substance abuse because uh, they can't sleep. And then the isolation, which brings about relationship problems, which then can in turn create disciplinary problems at work. And when all those hit, a lot of these officers take their own lives. And that's where something that you and I uh, need to have this conversation. And everybody in the public needs to have it too. Say, we need to, to do something to make things better. Because quite honestly, when I dial 911 because it's a family emergency, I want the best people showing up. Uh, I want our officers well taken care of. I don't want them to be abandoned. Conrad, let's get back to you. You're doing this film, PTSD 911. You're in the early stages. How long do you think it's going to take to film and develop this? It really depends on the funding and how long it's going to take to develop the film. I'm, I'm going to move forward regardless with the project because I believe in this. I believe that it's a story that must be told. And just like you said a minute ago, that, you know, when I call 911, I want, I would prefer healthy people to show up. Yeah. And we need to have that conversation. We need to have that with our leadership. We need to have that with our, our people in our communities, in our legislatures, so that our officers, our first responders can have those resources available to them when they need to retire, when they need to move on. And not, we don't want to throw them just to the wolves, so to speak, and say, hey, you're on your own. We can't have that. We've got to help our, first responders to survive and so over the next uh over the next year we'll be filming and working on this and hopefully in early 
spring, early summer of 2021, we'll have a film that will be complete and ready to be distributed around the country. And we'll have to have both of you back on in the future. Talk about it. Thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today's show. Very much appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show, Never fear. You can listen to them online as a podcast. Just go to our website, letradioshow.com, where you'll find all the podcast episodes and much more. That's letradioshow.com. We're all over social media. Be sure to like and follow our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. We're on Twitter. Follow us at LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Instagram, look for LET Radio Show Podcast. Of course, don't forget our website, letradioshow.com. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today Show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.